I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here tonight with Sean Z and Farky, and we are talking 2018, the League from the Bill Draft recap. A weekend full of shenanigans, uh, and of course, in the middle of that, there was a fantasy football draft that we're going to touch upon tonight. Uh, also, we will talk about takeaways from not only week one of the preseason, but also all the different storylines going on right now. Rookie running backs getting hurt, other guys being hurt, uh, and other guys stepping up. And we'll finish up tonight with the week two preseason talk. Uh, it is Thursday night tonight. Games are going on as we speak, and we'll talk about the different things that we uh, want to catch as week two of the preseason wraps up. And, of course, my Cleveland brethren will be very excited to talk about Baker Mayfield, Antonio Callaway, and the rest of the Cleveland Browns. But uh, tonight, you know, I'm recovered from the draft. Uh, it's been three days home in recovery. Sean, how are you feeling today? Voice has gotten progressively worse through the week. Um... I'm basically going to need Adele's throat surgery by next Monday, I think. So degenerative uh, larynx is what's going that, on that's, with Sean. I tried alcohol last night just to maybe, you know, <laughs> loosen it a little it did. and didn't work. Mm. It's, you know, basically by the end of the week, work week here, I'm utterly useless. So I'm gutting sure. this out. This is, this is a, a Joe Thomas-like performance. Thank you for your sacrifice, Sean. Uh, Farky, speaking of sacrifice, unfortunately, you could not make it to the draft. You were there in spirit. You were there via Google Doc. Uh, we kept you abreast of everything, all the shenanigans going on. But, uh, you know, one time I missed the draft due to uh, Lyme disease, which I'm a, a proud survivor of, and that was hard for me. But um, how do you feel your draft went uh, when it's all said and done, even though you weren't there? Well, judging by some of the feedback I got on the, on the video feeds I was getting from uh, our commissioner, Mark, <laughs> which I appreciated. Uh, I, I've got this odd feeling that the consensus was my team sucks, but I'm feel pretty good about it. I've got two starting running backs sitting on my bench. I won't go into too much detail about those because I know they're on our topics tonight. But I uh, got the quarterback I wanted. Um, have Antonio Brown, who's Antonio Brown, Gronk, and then uh, you know I've got some guys who I need to have breakout seasons at wide receiver. Goodwin, Doxson, uh, but other than that. I'm telling you, I'm happy. I got Jameis Winston sitting in the whim, uh, coming back after four games, hopefully be slinging it. Okay. End of an era, fellas. The Seattle defense did not get drafted. Uh, I, I actually thought they would have got picked in the back end, but um, that defense is, is Oakland D sad at this point right now. I just wanted to point that out. But, Sean, what was uh, your main takeaway from the draft, other than half the league that we're in uh, a bunch of idiots? Um. Do a draft off-site. Go someplace. Take a couple days. We are Airbnb to place by a lake. You get you get competing, gambling, betting. We actually broke out. Uh, I don't know what the Nintendo thing is, but we're old school Nintendo gambling on that. Like we did it big. We did it right. Wake up, breakfast, fresh eggs. You know, straight from the farm. Um, you know, cooked it up right. Got the house cleaned. Um, and copious amounts of alcohol, just you know, little gambling at the casino, just done perfectly as a nice mid end of summer getaway before football season starts. So I think that's the number one staple. Got to do that. Continue to do it moving forward. And I'm just going to run down. Well, are we going to touch on like who we like on everybody's team and who we don't like on some of the teams? I know it's not necessarily riveting, but um, I think it gives some insight into certain players that. You know, whether we feel a consensus on or some disagreement. 
Sure. Well, why don't you tell me, why don't you start it off, Sean? Give me, uh, not the best player on every team, but look at some of the draft picks, look at some of the rounds, or look at some of the teams, and let me know who you think were some of the better picks and some of the worst picks. Okay, so uh, Reggie, the pod contributor on the baseball, he took Sammy Sammy Watkins. I loved that pick. He also had the first pick in Ty Gurley. Uh, He took McKinnon, who I did not love. More importantly, he didn't take Breida to back up the whole McKinnon dynamic. That, I think, is a little bit of a flaw there. Um, the Monday Night Man took Jordan Reed. If there, Luke and I talked this because Luke drove me back home after um, our, our stay at the, at, the, at the house. If there's a worse mix for Jordan <laughs> Reed and Monday Night Man, Farky, I don't know what there is. Like, that is a match made in hell for the Monday Night Man. <laughs> uh, I took two chances, LaShawn McCoy and Josh Gordon. I'm, I'm rolling the dice, at least hoping one of the two comes out, particularly McCoy. Then I've got Zeke and McCoy along with Demarius Thomas, uh, Marvin Jones. I still got uh, Jamison Crowder off the bench that can slot into Josh Gordon, but I, I went a little upside there. Um, so I've got uh, you know risk-reward type play. Nick Vern went uh, just kind of boring. Uh, I didn't love the Corey Davis. I don't love any of the Houston receivers or the Tennessee receivers, excuse me. He went and reached for Matt Ryan a little bit. We have Matt Ryan in Dynasty, blah. Um, So I don't love a lot of Nick Byrne. As as the Monday Night Man has said, he's lost his mind and lost his edge. Um, Lost his hair, too. Um, Well, and Vern took took, uh, Corey Davis in the fourth round. Took Matt Ryan in the sixth round. Two picks that I agree with you, Sean, I'm not a fan of. Um, but, Farky, you took you had a nice pick. You mentioned Marquise Goodwin. Uh, this is one of the picks the guy I was targeting, uh, actually in round six, round seven. And uh, I really like Marquise Goodwin there. So take me through your thought process with that pick. Homework, man. They're, they're raving about him in San Francisco. Um, I was just targeting people probably similar to you that you were, um, guys that may not be at, at the front of people's boards. Um, he's clearly the favorite over there as the, the number one target. Now, Gasson could create, you know, more rapport with Trent with, uh, Taylor's coming, baby. You watch. Yeah, well, watch. we'll see. Good, good one has just been. He has been great. The concern I have with your roster, Farky, is you got a lot of guys that have a lot of muscle pull history, and that's what would concern me with Goodwin. Um, Collins has been dinged up. Burkhead, Gronk, obviously. Josh Dotson is when he plays, it's he's solid. But he's always dinged up. Chris Thompson, I love Chris Thompson. Love that third running back spot. He's an instant plug-and-play starter, but he's dinged up a lot too. Marquise Lee can get dinged. You know, Deshaun Jackson. You've got a lot of risk-reward opportunity there, but the injury bug could be the problem a little bit this year if you have an Achilles heel. And, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm kind of high risk, high reward with the team that I selected. And, and I think it was more of a product of who was available when I selected. Uh, it, when I picked Thompson, I thought it might be a reach, but I also didn't think he was going to come back to me, you know, 14 picks later or whatever, how many picks later when it did come back. Farky, where, where did you take Chris Thompson? Okay. Yeah, that's solid value for him. I mean, the, how electric he was last year, uh, I think fifth round's a great spot for him. The obvious concern with him is he's coming back from a gnarly knee injury, and, you know, if he can come back 100%, then it's it's a 
slam dunk for you. And obviously with the Darius Geis injury, which we'll get into shortly, uh, he's going to have a solid role as the third down back and even get some early down touches too, I believe. Uh, I, and real quick, real quick to Sean's comments, uh, I, I do agree with him. I do have risk with some injury bugs there. With the Antonio Brown, um, especially with what I've read about, we saw some stuff on Twitter the other day about his work ethic and stuff. I mean, he's going to play. If he can play, he's going to play. Um, I, I do like the fact that it's a quad, not a hamstring. I think hamstrings can be a little more nagging. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, I, I would say my one reach, even though I, I, I wanted Phillip Rivers when we started the draft, that was the quarterback I was targeting. Rue and I have him in Dynasty. Um, but as the draft progressed, I did get the sense I probably could have got him around or two later. So I do have a, a few regrets on when I selected Rivers. I, I honestly thought you were going to jump at Tariq Cohen. I got him in like the eighth round. In a 14-team league, I felt like that was an absolute steal. One question I had, is the conley Foz look um, – are they going with two tight ends and one of those tight ends, Trey Burton, and the other, George Kittle? Is that serious with that roster? Like, am I looking at that right? I don't know. I don't know what the Conley Foz crew's up to. Um, they, they make some. They made some interesting picks. One, they're. I mean, they love you know, Kirk Cousins. I don't see that with Kirk Cousins either. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up their team right now. I can't. What the hell? If, was if the everybody on the Vikings puts up the numbers that everybody's projecting, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is going to throw for 6,200 yards and about 54 know, touchdowns. Well, the Conley Foss crew, um, they they made a pick that uh, actually turned Nick Shell drunk. He was already feeling it, but then they made the pick. It's like the uh, the pick was so surprising that it's the opposite of like when something sobers you up. Uh, they took Dalvin Cook ninth overall, which is one of my biggest reaches in this draft. Uh, second to Rue taking Julio Jones seventh overall. But uh, then they also went with Ronald Jones as their number two running back, and they took Mark Ingram in the fourth round, which I get getting a guy like Mark Ingram, who was a top ten running back last year, but you got to sit on him for four weeks. Uh, Is it Farty, worth? You got the scouting report on Ronald Jones, and you're reading all about that. Maybe drop a little knowledge there, because I have not heard good reports. No, and you know that was one of our topics here that we were going to get to. I don't know if you guys want to wait on that or not, but um, you know, regarding Barber, Barber right now is the guy. Now, reports are that Jones, you know, isn't progressing the way they want him to. But to me, it really all doesn't matter because I think they're going to sling it. I mean, that's why that's why I picked Winston because I think he's going to have four thousand yards even sitting four games out. Um, they, they're raving about Deshaun Jackson, uh, Chris, Chris Godwin. Godwin, Chris Godwin. I just think you know he's going to have to name a starter, and the starter is going to be the starter. They're going to get maybe first, sometimes second down carries. I, I don't think that any of those running backs are somebody that you're necessarily going to be playing from week to week. Uh, I think really has the right guy on his roster with having Barber, but at the end of the day, I, I think they're going to slide. I think there's three guys, or you know, two guys that are you got 650 yards and maybe 30, 35 catches split between them. And the problem is, is it's going to be so week to week that there'll be nightmares to play right now. I just I don't like that situation. I, I, where you've got Barber, Luke is is kind of buried a little on your bench. Um, which I think is is the spot you want to play him until you can continue to feel out and assess things. Yeah, I got Peyton Barber in the tenth round. He's my fourth running back behind um, Leonard Fournette, behind Jay Ajayi, C.J. Anderson, and he's he's the fourth guy. And I'm pretty happy with all four of those guys. Ajayi 
third round pick. I might have reached on him for just a little bit, but I do believe in the offense in Philadelphia, and I think he's going to be the bell cow there. And then, Sean, you and I talked about C.J. Anderson while, last week, and we were both puzzled as to why he is falling so far in drafts. I mean, Jonathan Stewart got 200-plus touches last year with Carolina. If C.J. Anderson gets that with the Panthers, I don't see why he's not a 1,000-yard back and scores six to seven touchdowns. Agree. I like, and he's more of a straight line runner than Jonathan Stewart, who pitter patters a little bit. And uh, if anybody watched the Browns Giants game, they got to see that firsthand a little bit on on some of the runs. Um, right. Just kind of diving back in, I, I actually, as much as it pains me, I like uh, bring back the five uh, one Dan Shrek squad. Um, I actually, Dude, I love. It was, I love it was disrespectful and, for him to take back to back. Back-to-back defenses well, in the 11th and 12th Here's round. the thing. Disrespectful. Agree. That it's asinine. His bench sucks. It blows. <laughs> and, you know, Rodgers, Beckham, he's got some guys that can get dinged up themselves. Um, you know, Nick Schill took Sonny Michelle. I don't like that. Um, in the fourth round, which, which surprised loves me. Loves Evan Ingram. Must not know that he's got a tremendous drop rate. Um, loves Kenny Stills. Don't understand that. Um you know, our, our pod po- uh, producer, one uh, Jerry Burris, went a little different or a little unique with uh, Deshaun yeah, Watson really early. But he's got – he actually filled it out nicely with value guys. Right. And then um, the Aaron Jones is his third running back, I think, is a solid add there. He just – he's got a hit on one of those receivers. I don't know if you guys feel this way at all, but looking at these rosters, especially leading up to tonight – it seems like to me there's there's more parity than there has been in the past, and I think everybody has some spots on their rosters where you can say, well, he's going to need so and so and this guy to definitely avoid injury or recover fully or you know have a breakout year. Um, I've got Sean Jonesy and Arch as guys that I saw towards the, the top of my list. I had Gurley and Shrek kind of as the the next tier. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this on air. I'm sure I'm going to get text messages afterwards, but I had I had Mark kind of at the bottom of my favorite team. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, listen, Farky. I, I don't like I don't like his quarterback sneaky better than than you give credit for, but I do agree with you a little bit there, Farky. He's got some clear holes. Luke Jay Ajayi, what? Yeah, sell me on him because literally, I look at that and I see a gaping hole. And you've got Delaney Walker who got dinged up today couple key right. starters now that uh, with some question marks, in my opinion. Delaney Walker, you know, that scares the hell out of me. I took him in the sixth round. Um, lower body injury, haven't really announced anything yet. I'm praying to God that he's okay. Otherwise, I'll be all over Johnny Smith on the waiver wire. Um, with JJ, when he was in da- um, Miami, he was terrible. I think he was averaging less than four yards a carry. He, he wasn't the bell cow that they expect him to be. He had – one or two crappy games and a big game and three crappy games. You know, that that's kind of his was his uh, his go to uh, just very sporadic with his production. When he went to Philadelphia and was with LeGarrette Blount, um, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, they um, he got about 100 carries in his time in, in Philadelphia when he's splitting time with those guys. And he did a lot with those carries. He had an average about 5.5 yards a carry, I believe it was. He scored touchdowns. He caught balls out of the backfield. Now that LeGarrette Blunt's gone to take away, you know, about 200 touches, 
I see no reason why Jai isn't going to get 250 touches this season. 250 carries this season, actually. Uh, can he stay healthy is the big question, and can he be effective? And, again, in an offense, as long as Carson Wentz is healthy and Nick Foles is healthy, and Foles did take a, a weird hit tonight where his shoulder got a little, little screwy, so I'm not sure if that's going to be a long-term issue. But if Wentz is under center, I see no reason why that offense is not explosive and why he will not have plenty of of rushing lanes this season. So I got you week one, so uh, we're going to put it to it. Bring it, Feek. I- I'm telling Bring you right Feek. now, we're going to have to do a wager on, on JJ's points with an over-under. Sure. In that week sure. one, I I don't know. As long as LaShawn stays out of jail, I'll take my running backs <laughs> over yours. Hey, he's going to be on the commissioner exemplist real quick. We'll see. Speaking specifically to your team, that was the one, that the eye-opener for me that I was surprised you grabbed him, but... Uh, like you said, good team, um, as long as they carry over from last year. Sean, I had I had a couple specific questions for you after running back through your roster. Um, listen to the last pod, of course. Listen to all of them. You were cold on Thomas, right? He wasn't a guy that you were specifically going to target in this draft. I was surprised that you took him. Was it one of those where you you said, well, he's the, I have to take no, him? No, well, if you remember, I hated where I the, – the, I think – like the back of the second, top of the third, I hated. Literally everybody that I liked went before. First of all, Adam Thaleen went way sooner from Jonesy second round. than I Like mid-second round. Um, yeah, the fifth, sixth pick in the second yeah, round. Yeah, and that, that kind of threw a little bit for a loop. I was hoping that maybe, uh, maybe even like an A.J. Green would slip. Um, I didn't love having A.J. Green last year, but... You know, I would have rolled the dice there. Uh, Mark went and, and got Jarvis Landry. He was another guy that I, I kind of you know, had eyes on. Um, I didn't like Stefan Diggs. I think he, he's injury prone. Um, so, yeah, I I didn't love Demarius, but I still looked like, okay, Demarius has some upside that he can get back to the 1,200-yard guy uh, in, in seemingly sure. a contract year because he's getting like $14 million next year, and there's no way that – they're not restructuring or cutting him. So he's got to kind of make a move this year. I like the Keenum dynamic there because I think Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas have some upside. Well, then secondly, you and I have vehemently defended that Josh Gordon failed drug test. He's not going to play. We've <laughs> joked around about it. So, so really, what what turns you there during the draft? That you uh, honest, that, see, if you'd have been in the room, you would have seen the pain. The amount of jokes that I got when I made the pick and how disgustedly I made the pick, I couldn't oh, turn down the idea that Vern or Mark were right behind me. And that Mark told me he was making that pick. And Vern kind of hedged, but deep down I know he would have made that pick. And the only thing I'm trying to bank on is I just want this guy to show up. If he shows up, then what the reports that I'm literally 95% certain on maybe have some holes in them. There was some custody stuff that came out today. I still believe that he's going to be suspended so it was imperative that i got jamison crowder it was imperative for my just got ahead of my next question so so you're not you're not necessarily buying into the reports coming out today about he's handling his custody battle and he'll be there for the start of it was season. the fifth round i had to it was the fifth round no, no i'm asking what, what are you thinking about that stuff today are you still in the position that we were talking about where he's 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 not coming i just not coming it just back? The Browns have no idea. I think every day reaffirms what I think 
to understand. And if they sign Dez, it's just going to further reaffirm that. How about Shady? You, so you, that doesn't bother you at all either? <laughs> um, that bothers me too. But I got you, and, you and I have similar you you and I have similar problems. But I, but I took Chris Ivy, so that's the one thing is like okay, I've got Chris Ivory, and he led the league in rushing what two years ago or whatever. So. Or the AFC. Chris Ivory led he the led league? He led the AFC, I think. I think it was led the no, AFC. No, he didn't. I'm like, what are you been smoking? Are you still smoking that, that shit? Like, what are you talking about? Still smoking. What are you talking about? Chris Ivory, Chris Ivory never led the, the AFC in Russia. I'm pretty sure he did. Never. I know. Never. I will bet. I will, I will bet my Tom Brady autograph that he never led the league in, in rushing. You're thinking like Thomas Jones or something like that with the Jets 10 years ago. I'm going to pull this up. Let's check Chris. How do you even mess up Chris Ivory? Chris Ivory led the league in rushing. What are you talking shit. about? It definitely won two years ago. Okay, I know what it was. He had a thousand. He had eleven hundred yards basically in fifteen. He averaged four point three carry. So in fifteen, Sweet. I actually think fifteen with the Jets, that may have led the AFC. Probably not, but it's at least a thousand yards and two hundred fifty carries. Okay, that's better. That's that's better. I, he didn't leave AFC, but he had a good year. Yes, and that was. He also was the. Uh, the back I, of honestly, I took Lashawn McCoy and Josh Gordon. You guys think I'm feeling particularly happy about that? Like, <laughs> there's a reason why I got absolutely annihilated, drunk after that. Like, it, that's true. It, I just, true. it had to be done. You finally jumped on board with me though and drafted Nerf football guy. Who the hell? Andrew Luck. Hell? Oh yeah, I drafted him too. Rashard Matthews, he's not even practicing. I'm not, and I took Tyler Eifert, who I hate too. I took a lot of guys who I old hate. Feek. Old Feek is struggling. I hate Devontae Booker. Yeah. Well, you, you, I, a lot you of these pretty guys. Much, I hate. Uh, you're on the verge of depression throughout the. Whole I didn't draft. like Marvin I mean, Jones' far- pick. I was ang- oh, angry. Oh, I hated that. the Marvin Jones pick. That's actually one of my my worst picks of the draft. I thought you took him 54th overall. And I was flabbergasted. Give me by every that ranking pick. and tell me he's not better than fifty-four in any ranking that you see. I don't give a shit about rankings. Oh, I, I that's not what sh- you told Nick Vern. That is not what you told you took, Nick Vern. You would have taken. You would have taken. I did take him. What do you Sammy, mean? I would have taken. Sammy, huh? You had Sammy Watkins sitting there, who was better. Sammy, Pierre Sammy Garcia, Watkins went before him. I'm almost positive. No, he, I'm looking at it right the, now. No, you don't you have, have Sammy, the trades. The sequencing of trades. Mark traded like so many times that. I don't give a He no. traded all I'm, around I'm with Luke at, and them and Moner. I'm looking at the order right now, and 54th was Marvin Jones, 56th was Pierre Garcon, 57th was Sammy Watkins. Then he took Josh Gordon, 59. Crabtree at 64, who I would rather have. Chris Hogan at 65, I'd rather have. Uh, let's see here. What else can we do here? Cooper Cup at 73, I'd rather have. I mean, I hated that Marvin Jones pick. He had two big games last year. Other than that, he was mediocre. In that round, I got the best wide receiver in Detroit, and that's Golden Tate. I took him. Um, let's see here. Golden Tate went to me at 46, so eight picks before Marvin Jones. Uh, I took him because I think he's a de facto wide receiver one for some reason. He doesn't get the same. I, I like Golden Tate better than Marvin Jones. I'm not going to lie on that one. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, I picked I picked Golden Tate before Marvin Jones. But what I'm saying, I got is, you week one. Well, so we'll find out. All right, we'll, we'll see. find out. We'll see. We'll you know see. what? At the end of the day, how many of these rosters really pan out the way we're hoping right now? Week uh, one, everybody's going to be playing three different guys that they're not expected uh, to in these starting lineups. I, oh yeah, I, I picked Jordy Nelson in the seventh round. I don't know if I'm going to start him because he's playing the Rams week one, and that scares the hell out of me. One thing you you guys do have to tell me about that I didn't notice until I got on here today and was looking at the draft order 
is tell me the story behind these bets about Farky's team finishing last. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> Shill got drunk after and then wanted to be like uh, Skip Bayless shock jock stuff and then drop the heat. I'll give you seven to one odds or one to seven odds that he finishes dead last. And Mark was like, wait, you think he's going to finish dead last, dead last, knowing that he won't quit and others in the league have demonstrated, i.e., you know, bring back the five Dan Shrek quit, that <laughs> he'll that he will finish dead last and have to have the, 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 the ass shoe boot thing decorated in his house. And Mark's position was there's no way, and I'm like, there's no way either because I know how I would be if my team and if my team sucks. There's sucks. no way I've never finished last in anything gonna, in my life. I'm going to do whatever. Well, no, you finished last a couple times in my league. When you first started, no, not last. Yeah, you did. I, I got the archives. Like you went one in uh, twelve one year. All right, well, I got three championships. <laughs> yeah, so. I know. Oh, jeez, uh, here we go. But but so so, Shil, what what did Chill specifically hate about my team? I'm just curious because I got two starting running backs on my bench. Um. Well, you hadn't drafted those running backs yet. So he didn't like well, Alex here, Collins. He didn't like Burkhead, and he thought Goodwin was a reach and hates Josh Dotson. Here, here's a. Th- here, Here's my concern with with or my criticism of your team at the time, Farkey. Uh, at the time, you took Chris Carson pretty early when Rashad Penny uh, still was um, healthy. I mean, granted, you know, uh, and, and I I didn't want Penny. I wanted Carson to start over Penny. I don't like right. Him. Right, and, and I think our thing is, we talked about this last week, Sean and I did, you took him in the fifth round, but the way we look at it with Rashad Penny is, yeah, there, all these all these uh, reports are coming out of camp that Chris Carson's a starter, but if you are the Seattle Seahawks and you move back into the first round to, pay, to take Rashad Penny, you're not going to give the starting job to a seventh rounder, Chris Carson. So, obviously the injury came into play. That happened after the draft, so that... Uh, see, I, I, did, I think the fundamental point actually was... And you said it earlier with the Philip Rivers. The feeling or the consensus in the room that you were taking guys a round or even two rounds earlier, then you you could have gotten those same guys, but you went out and got them. Jonesy did the same thing, and you know he's got the same upside in in the same downside. Is is that's the other thing is what's the ceiling on Alex Collins? What's the ceiling on Burkhead? At both of those guys is your rb1 rb2 well i guess my defense of that would be it's it's not going to get me dead last but that's beside the point my, my carson pick was before the injury of course and it was based strictly on the fact that it doesn't matter there's not a coach that'll keep his job that will start a running back regardless of where they drafted them if he can't pass block in the nfl right i agree with that i, I like i really liked your burkhead pick you took him in the fourth yeah, round luke and- was defending you as the time when that came across if you if you look at Burkhead last year with the Patriots, he was a really good player. He got in the end zone a lot. So I was a fan of that pick. I I was looking at him in the fifth round. Um, you took him in the fourth round. And again, in a fourteen team league, though, if there's a guy you like, you got to take him. That's why I took Ajayi in the third round. I like him this year. Uh, I looked at my other options. I didn't think there were many great options there. Uh, you know, instead of taking Ajayi, I could have taken Amari Cooper. I could have taken Derrick Henry, who I think is poo poo. Um, you know. I could have taken Mark Ingram. Don't want him. Kenyon Drake. Don't want him. Problem with Mark so Ingram just, is you're missing five weeks. Four of weeks. Your first thir- of thirteen games. No, the buys in week six. Oh, five of the more, yeah, first six weeks. You could literally be right. two and four, 
And and then right. you're plugging like some of these suspensions. You know, Fergie's got Winston. That's three games, but he's on the bench. Like some of these suspension guys, it's just really problematic. Alshon Jeffrey's on the pup, potentially going to be on the pup. That's big yep. issue for Jonesy's squad. Like you got to then right. plug in somebody that wasn't a starter that's now a starter, and you got to bank on them to produce not for one week, but for four, five, six weeks. And Alshon was a, yeah, he's a fourth round pick. Uh, 46 pick overall. So exactly, if Alshon's out for for a while, he's screwed at his wide receiver. So Darius guys too. got hurt before the draft. Um, he did, and that became the talk. The feeling was is we were actually pissed at you, Farky, because Adam <laughs> Burris or Jerry Burris is taking Darius guys if you don't mention something in the second round, probably. That's why we were we were very very bothered and annoyed on the golf course when you kind of hey guys did you see this we're like why we were literally going to put money on it we were going to say what round he was taking him and then you know oh my god you you're stuck with them so Darius Geis is out for the year P Ryan's back in the mix Rob Kelly probably saves himself from getting cut and the aforementioned Chris Thompson Luke Jason what's the layout? From the Washington backfield, what do we expect as far as percentage cut everything? With Thompson, with Thompson? No, just all three. No, of them. just all three of them. Oh, I, I drafted Thompson because I, I love what I've read about him. I mean, especially after Darius Geis. I mean, the problem with him is there's still being a little, a little hush hush about you know his recovery. Uh, I know he, I don't think he's going to play at all in the preseason. Maybe, maybe one series in the final week or something. Uh, but he was, through through 10 weeks last year, he was tracking for his best season in his le- in league. Um, shoot, 500 yards through 10 weeks. I mean, he, he was, was on pace for, for about 95 catches. Uh, no, 62. He had 39 when he broke his collarbone. Well, that, but that, 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 how many, that, was how that many weeks was that in? He broke his collarbone in week 11. It was deep. Oh, that is. Chris Thompson shredded his knee. He didn't break his collarbone. He, he broke his leg in college. Yeah, he, he broke his collarbone last year. Yes, yes. Two years ago. Last year he shredded his knee. But that's besides the point. He was, well, he, he, was on anyway, he was he was tracking for 800 yards receiving. Uh, his carries were close to five yards a carry. He wasn't getting a lot of touches behind behind the line of scrimmage. But he's, he's the type of guy, he's, he's shifty, but he's also powerful. He's 5'8", 195. Uh, I just really like him, and the reports that I was reading leading up to the draft was that you know they really like this guy outside of, of course, what they were hoping out of Darius Geis. But I mean, he's gone, so uh, I have I no. have no I have no concern about Kelly or uh, Perrine, and the fact that they're not bringing a veteran in um, it, it was a bit surprising based on him still recovering a bit. But I mean, that to me is another good indication that he has been targeted as the guy. I agree. see. I. I, I... I think I disagree with you here, Farky. I think he's absolutely going to have a role as a pass-catching back, but I think P. Ryan and Rob Kelly are still going to be the go-to guys on early down, and I think P. Ryan will probably be more in first and second, whereas Kelly will be more short yardage and goal line. Um, you know, P. Ryan was only a rookie last year. He flashed at times. He wasn't great. He was on the chopping block when they had guys healthy, but I don't think they can rely on Chris Thompson being an every down back, especially after that injury. Well, no, and I don't think he, that injury, and I don't think he's ever been. I, I think, you know, right. if a sixty plus catch, I mean, that's tremendous. This is it's Danny Woodhead type player, 
and like peak Danny Woodhead. He was always that, but he was drafted three rounds later. So having had him a couple different years over the past three or four years, I think it's kind of the perfect compliment there. I, I do think the fact that they're not bringing a veteran veteran in means that Rob Kelly and P. Ryan, there's a level of comfort at least with either of them to a certain degree. Uh, but that will be mm-hmm. something to watch really the next couple weeks because, you know, then you go through cuts. They could bring somebody back in, um, you know, from another team. So I think it's something to watch. I don't think – Regardless, though, it affects Chris Thompson. I think it's going to affect the other two guys if they bring someone in. Yeah. We had another rookie injury. Uh, Saquon Barkley tweaked his hamstring. Sean, you worried about him at all? Uh, Probably not. They're going to handle him with kick gloves probably. You know, if he plays in the preseason, that's one thing. But I I doubt that that he's going to get much of of any work more in the preseason. Doesn't really need it. I think there's bigger issues there. I think Eli Manning's a major problem for the Giants and offensive players if you got him for the Giants. I just, I think he was done two years ago, and he's done nothing to kind of disprove that uh, through last year. He played one good game last year, and I just, I'm leery heading into this year. Yeah. Um, he went 10 in our draft right before I took uh, Leonard Fournette at 11. I think Saquon, I saw him drop, and I, I was shocked that he dropped that far you know i thought rue at seven would be a good spot for him but uh, rue inexplicably took julio jones um but uh in san francisco we mentioned uh you know you mentioned Jerick mckinnon went at the end of the second round and uh reggie did not take matt Breida. well both guys are on the shelf right now uh, mckinnon seemed to have tweaked his calf while Breida dislocated his shoulder and is out the rest of the preseason um, both those guys are missing practice right now. So, Farkey, the uh, the 49ers signed Alfred Morris and brought on Joe Williams, but they also have Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols, a Tampa Bay guy. Do you think either of those three guys will have any sort of role this season, or are they just uh, a camp body until these other two get healthy? I think they're a camp body, but I think Alfred Morris, if he's, if he's got anything left in the tank, has the opportunity to maybe get more time once those guys get healthy again. Um, he To me, I always liked him. In fact, I had him for a couple of his really solid seasons he had in 11 and 12. Uh, it was kind of goofy the way they did him in Washington. It seemed like yeah. you know he was carrying the load. He was he was putting up the numbers. But it seemed like they, they would take carries away from him in pockets during the season. And I, I just always liked him. And I, he, he seemed to always work hard. He got his ass beat and always came back strong. And I really think that given the opportunity, he'll be a guy that, that can work his way into that rotation later in the season when those guys get healthy. That's Shanahan well, guy, pretty, too. I, I think that's the number right. one thing is they're not they're, they're going to know his role. He's not going to catch passes, but he's going to be first and second down. He'll pick up a blitz on second down play action, even on first down play action. Um, he'll give them a look. I, I can see it, a, you know, I do think he's more of a camp body, but if – Breed is out a little longer. I think he sticks until at least Breed is back. But, you know, there's still uncertainty with McKinnon's injury and the length and things like that. So he could be someone that hangs around, but he's not really a fantasy play. Yeah, but, Sean, you and I both both talked about how we are not sold on Jarek McKinnon being a bell cow back and every down back he's getting paid this year. So, you know, maybe Alfred Morris does turn into a, a person to take a look at or just keep an eye on, you know, have him on your on your watch list if he makes the team, the, you know, the 53. Um, but um, All right, so we talked about our draft, uh, and then before the draft or during the draft or right after the draft, we had week one of the preseason. So, um Sean Farkey, I'm going to give you guys the floor here for about five, ten minutes. 
you know, the Browns are big in the news right now. They're the stars of hard knocks. Baker Mayfield's lighting up Cleveland. I'm going to give you guys a few minutes. I might interject every now and again, but uh, take it away on your Cleveland Browns and this magical preseason so far. Well, we haven't gotten the Monday Night Man to, to uh, grace uh, the, the pod listeners yet with any content while he's lazily um, going about whatever he's he's been doing. A whole lot of nothing as far as I'm concerned. We're crying over that weak fantasy squad. That said, <laughs> we have talked at length. I've talked to him at length. The Baker effect is... He is so calming. I genuinely think the Browns are, are so relieved that they don't have to worry about quarterback the next 15 years. I think they, they everything Whoa. they've seen, they have – it's just – he's been better than they even anticipated and expected, maybe other than John Dorsey, because I do think this was the one thing that John Dorsey was staking his reputation on. And I, I got to be honest, I think he's right. I think – Throw the don't look at the numbers. Watch the throws. Watch the breakdowns. He had big numbers against the Giants, but his movement in the pocket, his ability to get in and put the ball accurately downfield, not the Sam Darnold fifteen completions, hundred yards, dink and dunk garbage. Downfield of all the four quarterbacks, he's legitimately driving it and being accurate at that. That's been the biggest promise there. He walks, he carries the part, he commands respect. It's just, and they got the nice balance with Taylor right now. I've just loved everything about what I've seen from Baker Mayfield. If I'm terrified on one or two things, Hugh Jackson looks awful, but he is being (laughs) outdone by Greg Williams. Greg Williams is so damn (laughs) clueless. He's putting guys 25 yards off still. He's screaming at halftime he like there's literally no respect for him he has no concept it's seemingly from what i can tell of how to coach in the modern age it's just blitz like crazy and then he's just lucky because the browns have loads of talent on defense and they filled out certain spots from last year where they had gaps really nicely so I just I don't trust Greg Williams. I think he gets in the way. I think he's like just old school coach stupid and he drives me insane, Farkas. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. Um I'm going to say too for those listeners who are Browns fans or just you know want a different inside look at teams outside of the ones they root for. If you didn't follow the Monday Night Man's tweets when he was at Browns camp, then you know shame on you because the material he was throwing out there about what the Browns were doing, a different uh, a different angle, different look on some of the guys who maybe didn't get as much playing time. He called the Corey uh, we, Coleman cut before it actually happened. We had some really good stuff going on uh, on that stuff. So on that front, um, we've been all over the Browns, and we've had a nice inside look on on what others haven't seen. But speaking you know, specifically to what we've seen on Hard Knocks and what they showed in the first preseason game, uh, I, I do love the move to left tackle with uh, Betonio and – and him and Corbett playing next to each other. Love that draft pick. Um, I think it's going to be a dynamic that's going to be there, you know, for the next five, six years, depending on how they sign um, Betonio. But on the flip side of that, one of my takeaways is that I, I was pretty disappointed with the way the offensive line looked in the run game. Um, before you jump in and, and hammer Chubb, I'm, I'm going to say I agree. Uh, he didn't hit the holes that hard um, when they ran him to the outside. Didn't really make a move, just kind of ran into defenders. But but it was the same story that we see over and over year after year. And I know everything's really vanilla, especially in the first preseason game. 
but but we don't get any penetration or yardage up the middle. So so that disappointed me a little bit. I think as this position um, evolves and, and those guys adapt to these these new positions, they're going to be better. But I, I was expecting a little more out of that in terms of the quarterback position, Taylor. I think it's I think we're being spoiled right now with the fact that he's there. Uh, he's accepted the role. Uh, I think the organization made the right call to be very vocal about what their expectations are, that this year Taylor, at least at, at the forefront of the season, is going to be the guy. And he's accepted that. And they, him and him and Baker Mayfield seem to have a decent relationship enough building to where you know they're high-fiving, they're doing the right things. Um, I know it sounds very simple, but those are the types of things that we necessarily didn't have or got to see here in Cleveland in the last few years, especially at the quarterback position. So um, Baker's going to be the guy for the next 10 to 15 years, no doubt about it. But it, at least we have value at that position until they make that decision to where we can win games or at least be competitive in games with a defense that's probably going to be in the top 12 um, from start to finish. And another takeaway is if uh, defensive end, I'm drawing a blank here. I can't Ogle, believe I'm Garrett. No, Garrett. If, if Garrett plays the way this guy's capable of playing, and if, if he can get penetration, he's going to be all league this year. I mean, he could be potentially a all defensive, defensive MVP. Uh, well, I said he, he's in the run. Uh, if they win seven, eight games, like, this is going to have a Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt early on type feel to it. He's been amazing. And I know we're, we're thin at the wide receiver position, especially now getting rid of Coleman. Um, I don't think we have official reports on Des Bryant or, or what kind of difference that will make. Josh Gordon, of course, is a huge outlier. But uh, I think Todd Haley is comfortable with the progression of our wide receiving core that we at least have there now. And my God, what another breath of fresh air to have someone like Jarvis Landry who comes in every day, competes. Um, he's been asked to take Callaway under his wing. Um, this is a guy who came in here from the start that wanted to give leadership and wanted to, to create something here, a culture that we have not had. And it has been infectious, it seems like, throughout the offense since this all started. Yeah, two-minute warning. Two minute one. All right, I agree with all that. What I will say, I'll, I'll throw a little caution out for Browns fans: is let's relax and pump the brakes on Antonio Callaway. He made a couple big plays. Antonio Callaway also in the first half looked clueless, tired, and lost. So well, let's be a little bit mindful of that. Also, he's had a multiple strikes. It's kind of the Josh Gordon thing. You got to prove to me that I can even remotely think about trusting you. And the David Njoku stuff is there's peaks and valleys. He that's just the type of player he is. What I do like, and it's back to your point, Farky, is the idea that Todd Haley has clearly installed a solid, thought out game plan, and it's not the willy nilly by the seat of the pants bullshit that we saw from Hugh Jackson all last year. Nothing designed to protect Deshaun Kaiser, regardless if Kaiser wasn't good. Hugh did him no favors. Hugh, outside of the offensive coordinator role, looked a little out of place, but also has to find a way to become an actual head coach and less of like a buddy with these guys. I felt like he pivoted from episode one to episode two to deliberately swearing and trying to talk and act tough because he watched episode one and didn't like how he was portraying himself. That, to me, though, is just a guy just trying to act, and there's not enough authenticity there, and sooner or later that shit always comes home to roost. 
to wrap it up, just as a glass half full guy, I'll say about Najoku, uh, I agree. He, he's peaks and valleys, but those are the plays he, he has to make. And he did make them. So, you know, maybe maybe those spiral into something that become more commonplace with him. That's good stuff. Um, Callaway, let's still think about the fact, though, he, he's a first-round wide receiver talent. So we have that there. I'm going to put it on the coaches, specifically Todd Haley, at this point to make sure he knows the plays and hold him accountable to know the plays. But here's the problem. Anton Callaway is an adult, and you can't you can't do anything <laughs> after midnight. Like, you can't literally put the guy to bed and, and like, strap him down. Like, he's going to have to make some decisions and own up to some of this. And if he's got baby mama drama or all that bullshit that they didn't allude to, that it, they tried to kind of, like, frame it as he's got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people have a lot of things going on. He's got a tremendous opportunity Get your shit together, period. With that catch, though, I know the Monday Night Man made a great point. Baker Mayfield made a great throw on that long touchdown pass he had in the preseason first game. But that throw was also waist high, a little extended. I know he's an NFL wide receiver, but coming in at that speed, at that angle, and running that route, I mean, that's still a great snag. I mean, the guy has the talent. But to your point, don't be out at 3 a.m. Don't. Why don't you check your freaking car before – you know, you drive it when you get it back from your hoodlums down in Florida. Um, the the decision making. And who skills. are you surrounding yourself? If if his story is true, then who is he surrounding himself with? He surrounded himself with people that put weed that basically spiked his drink. Like, do they not want him to be successful? So, there's just consider ourselves fortunate that he was not drinking at 3 a.m. when he was pulled over. Thank God. Right. All right. All right. Good Browns talk. Um, as an outsider, let's I, talk I Jeremy Hill. I, well, real quick, as an outsider, I am uh, excited to actually see the Browns win more than you. Just want the videos of us celebrating, just you that's know, it's true. true. Pounding. I'll beers. tell you what. Speaking of, speaking of Patriots, Cordero Patterson. We're watching. I'm watching the uh, second preseason game for the Patriots right now. Made a nice move and scored another touchdown today. Or he had one call back. But um, yeah, let's talk about Jeremy Hill real quick because he is a player that's very close to my heart. I've always been a fan of his. Um, Patriots signed him to a one-year deal. In week one, he had 11 rushes for 51 yards and a touchdown. Rex Burkhead's missed some time. Um, Sony Michelle is going to miss the whole preseason, meaning he's probably not going to have an early season role for the Patriots. And then he has James White as the receiving back in New England. I'm on board the Jeremy Hill train as making this team. I don't know what his season outlook looks like because it will be dependent on Rex Burkhead's health and Sony Michelle's availability. Uh, Joe Arch took him in the 13th, 14th round, which I thought was probably about two rounds too early in our draft. I think he's an end of the end of the uh, end of the bench guy. But if you do take him and he does have the opportunity to get 15 touches a game, Sean, do you think that Jeremy Hill is a fantasy factor this year? No. Go on. <laughs> no, I honestly, <laughs> I, I I feel like a broken record. James White. It has a clearly defined role. Sonny Michelle was going to intrude on that, but also was going to play a little bit of first and second down. Um, and I think before these injuries, Jeremy Hill was maybe more of a longer shot to make the team. I do think he's going to make the team, or I'd be surprised if he didn't. But who was it two years ago, the the kid from Stanford, Gaffney, that had great couple preseason oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden was just cut? Um, Jones Gray was Gaffney cut. Never... Like, so you can't get hooked with these running backs until they make the roster. And right. 
if you're if you got Jeremy Hill, it's because you have Rex Burkhead. There's no other reason to be carrying Jeremy Hill right now. I I disagree. You kind of defending Jeremy Hill a little bit is is I think a product of you being spoiled of guys having seasons that they've had under Bill Belichick that right. probably on any other team wouldn't do anything. To me, that guy's the, the fourth name on that depth chart. I mean, it's not. It's not even a conversation. And how do you know when to play him? Because he's also going to have games where he he might literally get five carries. So you've well it's last just year. So well, last year you're a roster spot. It is, but if you looked at last year towards the end of the season, you could play Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, and James White. You know, in the end, Dion Lewis and Rex Burkhead were the two more valuable players, and James White was more of a bit piece towards the, the end of the season. So my thing is, if Sony Michelle can't come back from this knee injury, you know, Rex Burkhead's going to be the goal line guy, get a few catches here and there. Jeremy Hill will have the opportunity to get 12 to 15 touches. And with that, with the, the Patriots offense, you know, it go, goes to my defense in JGI. When the running back's in a, a high-flying offense – the running lanes are wide open. You got and a high flying I think I kinda, offense. Carson Wentz ain't playing week one, and Nick Foles probably ain't gonna play week one if his shoulders dinged up from tonight. I can't wait we'll till Jay Ajayi gets like twenty carries for twelve yards and doesn't catch a ball, and you know he's drinking pickle juice on the sidelines. That's like seven points in a, in a quarter. Point, yeah, well, I'm getting seventeen league. with Lashawn McCoy in the first half while he's tuning up his oh old lady God. making the phone call. Oh. Oh. I'll tell you what: if if a guy that they sign for one and a half million dollars gets twelve touches a game in in that offense with the, the names they have on there, especially Burkhead, it, Burkhead's not giving me what I was hoping he was going to give me. That's for damn sure. I just I don't see it. Well, Dion Lewis was doing it, making like half a million dollars. So, um, not last year. He, he when he first signed with the Patriots, Belichick always gets guys off the trash heap and turns them into something. So, I get the skepticism. I 100% agree with you guys on that. I think he's got a shot. You know, again, I'm not telling anybody to take him in the top 10 rounds. If if he's there, 14th, 15th round, take him. So, all right, let's go to uh, week two real quick. Let's talk about some of the different storylines going on in week two, um, or things you want to see. Farky, are there any players other than you know the guys that you drafted that you're you you want to keep an eye on to see what they can do in week two versus what they did in week one or or what they've done so far in this offseason? Um, I would like to see Ballage. He's at the the bottom bottom part of not my get my thrown, roster. Not get thrown out of the Yeah, exactly. That concerned me a little bit. Uh, truth be told, he may be the first guy that I dropped to pick up a kicker to. to finish my starting roster for week one, but <laughs> I'm hoping that he could give me a little bit of hope. Uh, I got to see something out of Josh Doxson. I mean, something to make me, <laughs> some, something to make me, give me something to believe in. Come on. I mean, Rue and I were on him in dynasty when we draft, we're trying to draft him that first year. My goodness. I know he's got the injury bug, but shit at a certain point, Either you're just an injury-prone guy that's never gonna never gonna see touches or snaps, or you're gonna fucking man up and get something done. Um, right. He concerns me, so I'm hoping I'm hoping I I can get some kind of output from him before the season starts. The the guy at the end of my bench right now that I want to see do something tonight, and he's already dropped the ball on third downs. Eric Decker uh, signing with the Patriots with the the thin wide receiver core. I took him my second to last pick, and the Monday Night Man crucified me for it. And then I reminded him he was like the 180th pick, so it doesn't really matter. Um, right now, it looks like he might not make the Patriots. 
So I'll probably be dropping him for my kicker. Uh, Chris Godwin was my last pick, and I think I'm going to do everything I can to keep uh, keep a hold of him. Sean, anybody that you're looking at in this uh, second week of the preseason? Uh, no, I'm, what I'm looking at is the day after and the injury report and making sure none of my guys have hit it yet and then other guys that I draft over the next couple of weeks in other leagues. That's all I care about with preseason. I don't buy into the hype. Although I bought into the break Baker Mayfield hype, but that's not because of the stats. <laughs> that's because of how he's conducting and, and carrying himself and and the plays that he's making are far more advanced. So I'm all about just stay healthy, get a little bit of reps, but I you know, if I'm Le'Veon Bell right now if I got Le'Veon Bell, I'm fine with that too. Like I know he can't get hurt sitting around smoking weed at his house. Like he can't get hurt. Go in the club too. Whatever. Really, I have one off your. I have one off your roster. I'm. I'm anxious to see the progression of DJ Moore. I. Yes. You know, I'll. I'll be somebody that was completely wrong if, if he doesn't. If he doesn't turn into something big, I, I love him. I mean, he's got the yeah, athletic I, I, ability, the talent. Um, truth be told, he he's somebody that should be the next big thing. And if if he doesn't do anything here in the preseason, I don't. I don't know what he's going to do to start the season. Yeah, his first preseason game, he had four catches, 75 yards, had a really nice 32-yard catch. He was a pretty slippery move, um, just kind of juked the guy. He looks looks the, the real deal. Uh, everybody's comparing him to his, his f- uh, fellow alum, uh, um, Stefan Diggs. Both went to Maryland. And I can see the, the similarities in their game. But, you know, Cam Newton needs a number one wide receiver. And if Moore can be that guy, I took him as my, my fourth wide receiver in the ninth round, I believe. And I was thrilled with that pick. And I currently have him slotted in my starting lineup over Jordy Nelson, but I'm not 100% sure yet. Again, I, I don't trust Nelson against the Rams week one. Um, that'll be something I put in and out of my lineup about five to ten times until week one. But, uh, yeah, DJ Moore looks, looks like he could be the real deal. So I'm excited about him too. One thing, too, that, uh, that I liked tonight was Juju Smith-Schuster caught yet another touchdown. Four-yard catch. Uh, it's not a big one. Obviously, they're not going to keep him keep him in for long uh, tonight with Antonio Brown already gimpy with that that quad. So it is exciting to see that that Juju can be a wide receiver one. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, I believe, in our draft, and I was I was surprised by that pick because he's you know at least the third receiver um, or third target in that offense behind Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. So. How many targets will he actually get is is a real question. But another guy, too, is, is Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown tonight as well. Aaron Rodgers has not had a ton of success with tight end. He also hasn't had a ton of talent at tight end, so this will be the probably the most talented player he's ever had at the position. But the, the Packers are focused on the tight end, and, and Graham is being drafted in the fifth and sixth rounds this summer. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun to watch his progression throughout this, this preseason. So, uh, gentlemen, we've gone on for about an hour tonight. Great conversation. Any other closing thoughts that you guys have on not only how the draft went, but how you know your fantasy drafts in general are going so far, or other plans you guys got going on for the summer when it comes to drafts? No. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> no, I had to do that. Uh, no, we got someone's. We got the Brownstown League coming up next Saturday. Um, we don't pick the spots until five minutes before the draft, and then you can float anywhere. It's a similar uh, scoring PPR fourteen team. Uh, but it, it and it's two running backs, two receivers, and then a running back receiver flex. I'm fascinated to see how many running backs go in the first four rounds because usually there's a, a, a almost 
an extra 10 running backs to go uh, by contrast versus the, the, the Ville League just because of you, the, everybody wants all as many running backs as they po- can possibly get. Sure. And uh, this is going to be the easiest $70. Sean and Mark both made the Monday Night Man up another 70 uh, There's a sheet for the listeners that lists our draft order, all the picks that were taken, and then next to it it has all these side bets that were made during the draft, which, again, I wasn't there. But knowing Mark, I can see how this conversation with show unfolded because I see show versus Mark, 10 to 70, Farkas finishes last. Show versus Sean, 10 to 70, Farkas finishes last. $100 better finish, Mark versus show. That means I, Mark and him just kind of took this side argument. I could just hear it, just going and going and going and going. So um, You it, might it have literally be able to hear it from Florida, from where we were in, in – in uh, West Virginia, like you could almost hear it that far. He he was that oh. loud and animated, and it went for about fifteen minutes. It, it it definitely slowed down our draft. Mark was like, "Yo, man, we got we were drinking a lot, huh? Because that draft took four hours." Like, no, you guys are arguing for four hours. That's what made the draft go so long. And you know, of course, in typical Eminem fashion, is if you take you know twenty seconds, you're gonna get yelled at to make your pick. But he's allowed to take four minutes for every pick, so. Well, what he what he's masterful in is he creates an argument that he's in while he's picking, and then right, like right. he seems busy or acts busy. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's still in the other side of his brain trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do. Sure, he's got that built-in excuse. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, we beat this uh, beat a dead horse here. So, um, everybody, good luck in your fantasy football drafts this year. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Send us messages on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. You can check out the blog, negpodcast.com. I just released an article the other day saying, is this running rookie back class actually trash? Um, so check that out. Uh, we'll continue to update that throughout the preseason as ADP rises and falls, as players get hurt or do better or do worse. And then, of course, when we get to the regular season, we'll be sure to uh, churn out plenty of content. In the meantime, we have the college pod that's going to be recording here soon. Right, Sean? That's the plan late next week, right, Farky? And then we'll hopefully get that out with the preview and then the week after for the week one picks. All right. So we'll have the college football podcast. We'll also have our NFL Pick'em podcast. We got uh, Reggie and Martine again working, and Nick and Akron as well, working on the Major League Baseball podcast. So we get plenty of content coming out here at the Never Any Glory podcast. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, subscribe. Tell us what you love. Give us five stars. And we're also on Spotify. Only have one episode on there right now. Burris is trying to figure out how to get more. But uh, big things happen right here. So you know, be, keep it locked to the Never Ending Glory podcast throughout the NFL season, throughout the college football season. And we'll keep you up to date with everything going on here in the NFL and the NCAA. So, gentlemen, good chat with you tonight. Uh, we will be back next week to talk uh, week two thoughts on the preseason and what uh, was going on. Looking forward to week three. So, Gentlemen, good talking to you. We'll talk next week. Josh Allen sucks still. <laughs>